Hi, this is Rick Thompson, the pastor at Living Water Community Church. This is our podcast, and I want to thank you for joining us today. I hope this message builds your faith and blesses you. Please enjoy it. Good morning, Living Water Community Church. How are you guys doing today? All right, all right. I want to welcome those who are watching us online, as well as those who have joined us in the house today. It's so it's so awesome to see you guys. I'm going to say your smiling faces because I'm assuming that behind those masks, for those that have the mask on, there's a smile. I'm putting my smile on. So good morning. Hopefully everyone is feeling good. My name is Sean Ogilvie, in case I haven't had the pleasure of meeting you yet. And I am one of the pastors here at LWCC. First of all, I want to I want to just kind of pause for a second and say, can we give it up for our worship team? But now I want to take that a step further. Can I say, can we give it up for our God? Because God is moving in this place, and I am so, so honored and so privileged to be a part of what he's doing here. So honored. I'm honored to be a part of of what's happening from this platform. I'm so honored that God has allowed me to even come up here and speak his word to you. So, God, thank you so much for all you're doing in my life, all you're doing in Pastor Rick's life, and what you're doing in this church and all of our lives. If we could pray really quick before we begin, if everyone just bow their heads, close their eyes. If you're watching online as well, I'm going to ask you to do the same. Lord, Lord, we ask right now that you'd help us to clear our minds, Father, things that don't matter. Lord, I pray that you would... Help us to set aside what we're doing after church, Father, what, what our, our week ahead looks like, Father, but we would focus on you right now. Lord, I pray that you would speak to us the words that we need to hear, Father, where we have any insecurities or anxieties or fears, Lord, I pray that you would help us to understand how, how we need to treat them when we are in you. We thank you for this time of Bible study and ask that you would bless us. In Jesus' name we pray. And the church said... Amen. We've been in a series entitled Haunted, Facing Our Fears. And if you've missed any one of the the messages in this series so far, I'm going to encourage you, go back to our YouTube channel. Like, I'm going to ask anyone, put a show of hands if you've been to our YouTube page, our YouTube channel. Show of hands. All right, if your hand is not up, you're missing out because that is a, it's a, it's a repository. It's a gold mine of all of the messages that we've been preaching and beyond the messages that we've been preaching, and I'm talking about a goldmine because it goes back for, for probably a couple of years, right? But there's also other little snippets and, and things that we put up there. So what I'm going to say is, if you have not been to our YouTube channel, please make it a point to go to our YouTube channel, subscribe to our channel, and hit the little bell icon. Why? Because that means every time we go live or we post something new, you're going to get notified. So you're going to know about it. So I would encourage you, go ahead and do that if you haven't already done that. Got a quick joke for you. During a Sunday school lesson, a child learned about how God created human beings. The child became especially focused when the teacher explained how Eve was created from Adam's ribs. Later in the week, the boy's mother saw him lying down on the floor. And she asked him, what's wrong with you? His reply was absolutely priceless. He said, mom, I have a pain in my side. I think I'm getting a wife. (laughs) 
I didn't put that in my, in my, in my sermon originally for my wife to see because I wanted that, that to be a kind of little joke for her. I love you, babe. I'm going to ask a question. Anyone have any pet peeves? Show of hands if you have any pet peeves. If you're online as well, throw your hand up there if you have any pet peeves. I'm pretty sure there's, there's a lot of pet peeves, probably a lot that are very common, right, that we probably share, some that really bug us. Um, let me throw out some and see. Put your hands up if this is one of the things that is a pet peeve to you. How about people that tap their foot, especially you're sitting down? No? No one? No? Okay, that's good. How about pen clickers, people that click their pen all day long? How about when there's heavy traffic on the road because people are rubbernecking? Is that a pet peeve? And now you're late because they have to see, oh, wow, look at that. And then, yeah, right? How about, how about the sound of a sound of um, chalk against the chalkboard? Oh, I see some hands going up for that one. You put up two hands. She must be a teacher. I'm just joking. How about, I just realized this one the other day. How about a fork scraping on a plate? So I just realized that one the other day because my wife, literally like two days ago, I'm eating some food, and she just kind of like got off on me like, would you stop that? I'm like, what? She's like, you're scraping the plate. Okay. So I got to figure out, maybe I go eat in like a different room or eat in the garage so that I can scrape my plate and not offend anyone. Or maybe I'll be in the garage if I keep scraping my plate, right? How about people who chew with their mouth open? Don't put your hand up if that's you. That's a pet peeve for a lot of people. How about this one? How about when you get a pebble in your shoe? That sucks, right? Yeah, yeah. See, there's a lot of things that can get under our skin and kind of get to us a little bit, right? And I'm sure we could think of a lot of other examples. I'm sure there's a ton of them. Um, Ones that more than likely all of us would share. Now, to the extent that any pet peeve really, 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 really bothers us, like really bothers us, Um, we typically figure out a way to avoid that thing, right? If it's a situation that we see, we'll remove ourselves from the situation. Or if it's something that someone that we know who does something, we'll probably avoid going around that person, you know, to the extent we, we can to stay away from anything that really gets under our skin. But how many of you know that not everything can be avoided? Did you hear me? Not everything can be avoided, right? We can go around and and skip around things that we don't like, but not everything can be avoided. And there are some things that go beyond being a pet peeve. So here's a question. Is there anything in your life that brings out some true emotions, emotions that are more intense than just a pet peeve, more intense than just a little bit of feeling of scorn? Is there anything like that in your life? Anything that you can't stand so much that at all costs, you'll avoid it. You'll even avoid just the thought of it because it's that tough for you. Something that maybe you fear confronting. Maybe something that's like a true phobia for you. Today we're going to talk about something as we continue on in this message. We're going to talk about something that I think fits into this exact category for a lot of people. And if you haven't taking a guess as to what today's topic is, today is the fear of death. There's no doubt that death is fearful. No doubt. And, and it's, 
I want to say if, it's, if it was possible, there's a lot of people that would avoid death altogether if they could, right? We know that's the, case, the truth. But no one escapes death. No one escapes death. As George Bernard, Bernard Shaw once said, the statistics on death are quite impressive. One out of one people die. You've heard Pastor Rick say it before that uh, the 100% rule, right? 100% of the people that are, have been born, 100% of them die. Or as Billy Graham puts it, it, referring to death, is the most democratic of all experiences. Everyone will die. And it is a tragic and fearful thing to encounter death. One very brave man even wrote this. My heart pounds in my chest. The terror of death assaults me. Fear and trembling overwhelm me. I can't stop shaking. Do you know who penned those words? Those words came from the pen of the brave King David, a great hero. We know King David as the one who was the Goliath, Goliath slayer, the giant slayer, right? The brave one, the one who fought many battles, the one who was, who was praised by saying David kills his tens of thousands. Yet he too was gripped by the fear and the horror of death. Most of us know that Jesus' disciples, not all of them, but most of his disciples, between four to six of his disciples were fishermen. So what would you expect from a fisherman? You would expect that a fisherman would have experience in being in a boat, being on the sea for an extended period of time. And obviously, as a matter of doing their job, they are going to come across some rough seas at times, right? That goes without saying as a fisherman. Yet, they were caught in a big storm one day, right? And the waves were crashing, and the winds were howling, and all this was going on, and they feared for their lives. The fishermen feared for their lives, and they shouted out, Lord, save us. We're going to drown. Now, these are the best equipped people to be in this situation. They're the fishermen. If anyone knows what it's like to be at sea, if anyone should know how to swim, it would be the fishermen. But in this situation... Lord, save us. We're going to drown. You see, the fear of death, it is purely normal. It is a normal and natural human feeling and human experience. But what is it about death that makes us, makes us so fearful, fearful? What is it about death that makes us so fearful? Why do most people fear death? Or at least the death of loved ones? Because that's one that um, sits with me at times, the fear of death of loved ones. Have you ever thought about why people are afraid of death? I'm sure there's more, but let me give you three reasons that I've come up with as to why people are afraid of death. Number one, death puts an end to all earthly activities. Ecclesiastes 9.10, whatever you do, do well. For when you go to the grave, there will be no work or planning, or knowledge, or wisdom. See, many people are afraid to die because they've put all of their heart and all of their energy and all of their, their passion and everything into earthly activities. And they're enjoying them. And I'm not even saying that these things are bad. 
Some people are really pushing for, for different types of achievements and, um, and success. And I'm not saying anything's wrong with that. Some people just love going to watch their kids play a sport, right? I'm not saying there's anything bad with it, but we put a lot of energy into that. And the idea subconsciously of not being able to really continue enjoying what we're used to and what we like can be scary to us. It's people dreaming of dreaming and accomplishing their plans, right? Making a lot of progress in life. And because they aren't able to see what comes after this life, it can be a scary thought. They're more comfortable with what they can see than believing and understanding in the greater glory of the opportunities that they don't see, that what's, what's to come for them, amen? But let me just tell you this, you cannot bring any worldly achievement to heaven. You can't bring your worldly achievement to heaven. So I don't want to knock anyone that's going for their, their PhDs, their masters, anyone that's striving to be the best business, business owner they can. Nothing wrong with that, but I am saying Make sure you're putting things into perspective because all of those achievements will stay behind here on this planet, on this earth, okay? You can't bring any worldly achievements to heaven or to hell. You can't bring them to heaven or to hell. Number two, death strips us of all earthly possessions. 1 Timothy 6, 7, After all, we brought nothing with us when we came into the world, and we can't take anything with us when we leave it. Many people are afraid to die because the idea of leaving back their earthly treasures is a problem. The things that they've accumulated before, right? Their houses, their cars, money, jewelry. These are things that mean a lot to a lot of people. But just as Job said, naked you come, Naked you go. And you've heard it said before that there are no U-Hauls in heaven or in hell. There are no U-Hauls in heaven or in hell. Number three, death leads you to an uncertain destiny. Job 16, 22. For soon I must go down that road from which I will never return. This one is the most important one. Whether it's the most important for most people or not, it is the most important one. The scriptures make it clear that once we die, there is no returning back to the earth. Okay? Once we die, there's no returning back to the earth. I want to make sure that that's clearly understood to everyone under the sound of my voice because there are certain, certain practices and, and beliefs that you will be reincarnated. You will come back as this. Based on how good you did in your life, you may come back based on a certain tier or, or level. The scriptures do not say anything like that. As a matter of fact, the, the scriptures say the exact opposite. And once we leave this earth, we will not be coming back to this earth. Okay? So if a person is unprepared in this earthly life, I want to say that he or she should rightfully be fearful about your destiny. If you're unprepared, you should be fearful about your destiny. Hebrews 9, 27, and just as each person is destined to die once, and after that comes judgment. 
right away after death. Say, right away after death, man will be judged. Man will be judged and their eternal destiny will be determined. Right away. There's not going to be this wandering from planet to planet. You're not going to somehow become a king of your own planet, as some religions teach. You're not going to go to a purgatory, second chance waiting room for people to pray for you, to hope you, to pray you into heaven. Right away, you will be judged, and your eternal location will be determined at that point. Soon as man dies, he will face the righteous judge who never gets it wrong, and he will go either to heaven or to hell, period. On the topic of death, it has been noted there are, that there are three responses that people typically have to that fear. Or how, how do people act in response to the fear of death? And again, these may not apply to you, but they are very commonly seen responses. As it relates to the fear of death, people act in certain ways. So here are three general responses to the fear of death. Response number one, hedonism which is the pursuit of pleasure, sensual self-indulgence. This is indulging in selfish or destructive pleasure-seeking, right? Have you ever heard the term YOLO? Throw up your hand if you know what YOLO means. YOLO means you only live once. And I promise you there's a lot of people that are living by the YOLO motto. But I want to tell you that is considered hedonism. People numbing themselves to the fear of death, usually by, or rather, by abusive, abusing different chemicals. Very, very common. Response number two for a lot of people is pessimism, a tendency to see the worst aspect of things or believe that the worst will happen, a lack of hope or confidence in the future. Death is coming. Nothing else matters. I might as well get the dying over with now. The famous rock band Queen had a song with very inspiring lyrics. Let me echo some of the statements in their lyrics. They had a song that said, Who wants to live forever? There's no chance for us. It's all decided for us. How encouraging is that? That's probably one of the most depressing songs I've ever heard, depressing lyrics I've ever heard in my life. But that's pessimism. Response number three is denial. And that's refusal to admit the truth or reality of something. This is the, this is the behavior where we see avoidance, where people are avoiding dealing with something, right? Maybe they spend a lot of time in seeking the fountain of youth, Maybe if I get on this new health kick or I start going to the gym or going to the, the, the naturopath or I get some supplements, you know, or maybe if I have a little bit of fame, I can buy my way through certain things. Or if I had that fortune, maybe my, my destiny might be a little bit different. This is denial. This is denial. Now, when I look at these three typical responses, and as I said, not everyone fits into these, but these are very common. 
when I look at these three typical responses, I see something in common. I don't know if you see the same thing I see, but what I see is that none of them are helpful. None of them are going to help you. None look like an actual response that would help combat the fear of death. So the question I, I want to ask is, so how can we, we live when we know the certainty of death is looming over us? I've heard, I've heard Pastor Rick say this before, um, and again, I'm not trying to make this a doom and gloom message, because that's not where we're going to stay, um, but this is an important topic, and it's the reality of a fear that a lot of people have. But I've heard Pastor Rick say that as much as we don't think about it, from the time we're born, there's a countdown in our lives. From the time we are born, there's a countdown. No one knows how long that each, each person's clock is. And many of us are you know, very, very blessed to have many, many years. But none of us know that time. To an audience that is gripped by the reality and the certainty of death, due to severe persecution that was going on. The writer of the letter to Hebrews wrote this. What do we see, sorry, what we do see is Jesus, who for a little while was given a position a little lower than the angels. And because he suffered death for us, he is now crowned with glory and honor. Yes, by God's grace, Jesus tasted death only for me. Is that what it says? No. It says that Jesus tasted death only for Pastor Rick. Are you guys with me this morning? All right. Let's read it properly. Jesus tasted death for everyone. God, for whom and through whom everything was made, chose to bring many children into glory. And it was only right that he should make Jesus, through his suffering, a perfect leader fit to bring them into their salvation. You see, the Hebrews writer wants to remind us that the supreme God of the universe, the creator of it all, has not left us alone to die with no hope. He has not left us like that. He tells them that God himself took on human flesh and experienced real suffering, a real death. I think it's easy for us to, to understand that Jesus is God and we figure that when Jesus came down here, it was an easy walk for him. Well, he's God, so things are easy. You need to understand that, that God took on human flesh just like you and I and went through the same challenges that we would see. And I want to suggest to you that because of what he was preaching, what he was saying, he was treated worse than any one of us have been treated. As bad as you think you've been treated in your life, Jesus was treated worse than you. And he did that in order to comfort us and strengthen those people so that we can feel comfort and assurance and strength in knowing that God did this for us. He is with us in this experience. It's funny, I saw, I saw a post the other day, and uh, 
I'm trying to remember the, de the specific details of it, but, but essentially it was saying, um, you know, that essentially we're, we're living in hell. Or right now, this is, this is the worst thing in the world, everything that's going on. We might as well, we might as well be in hell. Because how much worse could hell be? That's a post that I saw. I'm like, wow. If you only knew. If you only knew. He is with us. He's with us through all of our experiences. The pains that we, fe that we feel. He felt pain. The struggles that we feel, he felt the struggles. He went through the struggles. All the emotional baggage and anguish that we feel, he felt the same thing. People saying, I love you, and then turning their back on him. People wanting him for what he could provide, but not necessarily for who he was. He felt all this. Jesus himself felt this. He went through it. So understand that Jesus has lived in our shoes. Very important to understand because a lot of times it's easy to get caught up in Jesus is God. He doesn't understand. He doesn't know. Jesus lived out in our shoes. He battled death. He suffered death. He tasted it. And I'm not talking about with a heavenly 10-foot pole, staying away from it, but all the awful, gory details of death. Jesus died that Friday. He died, and Jesus went to hell. That's bad news. But that happened. But then Sunday came. You didn't hear me. I said, then Sunday came. And just three days later, the good news arrived. On that Easter Sunday, Jesus confirmed that he was our champion. He confirmed he was our champion. He destroyed death with his cru crucifixion and his resurrection. Amen? Amen? Jesus rising from the dead. You've heard, you've heard everyone talk about the fact that God sent his son and his son died for us. But I want to promise you that if all Jesus did was die for us, it doesn't matter he rose from the dead. That's the key. The three days later, then came Sunday. And when Sunday came around, he, he confirmed that he was our champion. The sacrifice that he made, the sacrifice was good. The resurrection was great. Do you hear me? The resurrection was great. So we continue on reading here in Hebrews. Hebrews 2.14. Because God's children are human beings, made of flesh and blood, the Son also became flesh and blood. For only as a human, as a human being, could he die. And only by dying could he break the power of the devil, who had the power of death. I want to say that again. Who had, no longer has, had the power of death. Only in this way, say only in this way, could he set free all who have lived their lives as slaves to the fear of dying. What are you scared of? The fear of death is a real fear, but the promise of Jesus can conquer that fear. Amen? 
Thank you, Jesus. Thank you, Jesus. The writer of Hebrews is saying that Christ's followers are no longer bound to the unknown terrors of death. The horrors and the feelings and the anguish, we're no longer bound by that. We're no longer bound by that. Jesus was victorious, and he overcame death by his resurrection. And he destroyed the one who had the power over death. So now we can be freed from the fear of death. I heard a story that apparently is true, and it goes like this. A pastor received a telephone call from a lady named Martha, who was not only one of the oldest members of his church, but also one of the most faithful. They set up a time, and when the pastor arrived, it did not take long to discover the reason for the visit. Martha shared the news that her doctor had told her um, that because of a previously undiagnosed problem, she probably had six months to live. The pastor expressed his sorrow at the news, but Martha reassured him that she had lived a long life and was ready to be with the Lord. Amen? Martha went on to say, but I do want to talk with you about my funeral. I've been thinking about it, and there are things that I know I want. The two talked quietly for a long time. They talked about her favorite hymns, the passages of scripture that had meant so much to her through, through the years, and the many memories they shared from the church. When it seemed that they had covered just about everything, she paused, looked up at the pastor with a twinkle in her eye, and then added, one more thing, preacher. When they bury me, I want my old Bible in one hand and a fork in the other. A fork? The pastor wasn't sure he had heard right. Why do you want to be buried with a fork? I've been thinking about all the great dinners I've been to, I've been to throughout the years, and one thing sticks in my mind, she said. At those really nice get-togethers, when the meal was almost finished, the hostess would come by and take your plate. I can hear the words now. Sometimes at the best ones, somebody would lean over my shoulder and whisper, you can keep the fork. And do you know what that meant? Dessert was coming. It didn't mean a cup of jello or some kind of pudding. You don't need a fork for that. It meant the good stuff, like chocolate cake or cherry pie, or anything that my wife makes. The good stuff is coming. And when they told me I could keep my fork, I knew that the best was yet to come. That's exactly what I want people to talk about at my funeral. Oh, they can talk about all the good times we had together. That would be nice. But when they walk by my casket and they see the fork, I want them to turn to one another and say, why the fork? That's when I want you to say, she kept the fork because the best is yet to come. I hope that Martha's confidence in the best is yet to come is yours too. I hope it's the same way you're feeling that despite what's going on in this world, despite how you feel, 
despite all the things that are weighing you down, despite the fears that you may have, that you understand the best is yet to come. You need to remember that you have a God who loves you. He loves you so much that he experienced death for you so that you don't have to. And when we talk about death, most people understand that there's two different deaths, right? So we talk about the first death, which is the one that every single person here will experience. That is when our body has died, okay? But that's the right after the death I spoke about. That is now when you receive, you're at the judgment in front of the judge, and the judge is determining what is your eternal location. Will you have life or will you have the second death? Okay? So make sure we know that. I think we do. You are not alone. None of us are alone. You have a God who will greet you on the other side. He'll greet you. You have the, the welcome wagon waiting on the other side. If you trust him and if you make him your one and only God and if you have accepted his son as your personal Lord and Savior. He has destroyed death. And he promises us immortality in the life to come. 2 Timothy 1.10 And now he has made all of this plain to us by the appearing of Christ Jesus, our Savior. He broke the power of death and illuminated the way to life and immortality through the good news. Someone say, that's good news. Amen. So how can we deal with this fear, right? We know that we have, we, have, um, we have victory and we have freedom in Jesus, but let's make sure we really, really understand this. How can we deal with this fear when we do know with certainty that there is death for every single one of us? Well, we can deal with it by knowing what God says, and we know that we can count on what God says. So I'm going to give you a few ways here that we can count on what God says. Number one, God promises we will not be alone. John 12, 26. Anyone who wants to serve me must follow me because my servants must be where I am. Don't you take comfort in that? Jesus is saying, you have to follow me because I need my peeps. I need, my servants need to be where I am, so let me make sure that they're good, because where I'm going, they're coming as well. My servants must be where I am, and the Father will honor anyone who serves me. Number two, we will be comforted. Revelation 21.4, he will wipe every tear from their eyes, and there will be no more death or sorrow or crying or pain. All these things are gone for a little bit. All right, just want to make sure you're awake. All these things will be gone forever. No more death, no more sorrow, no crying, no pain. It's gone forever. Number three, we will be rewarded. Ephesians 6, work with enthusiasm as though you were working for the Lord rather than for people. That's something we can learn in our day-to-day -day lives right now. Remember that the Lord will reward each one of us for the good we do. 
whether we are slaves or free. Number four, some of you are going to like this one. We will be in the biggest, loudest party ever. Yeah. <laughs> Revelation 19, 6, 7 says, Then I heard again what sounded like the shout of a vast crowd or the roar of mighty ocean waves or the crash of loud thunder. Praise the Lord, for the Lord our God, the Almighty reigns. Let us be glad and rejoice and let us give honor to him. For the time has come for the wedding feast of the Lamb. And his bride has prepared herself. Thank you, Jesus. Some of you don't get too excited about this party because I know some of you guys, you know, not, certainly not anyone at LWCC. But there are a lot of people that feel that heaven is going to be, or hell is going to be a party in the same way. Let me go to hell because I'm going to party it up all day long. I promise you there will not be any parties in hell. I promise you. There will be no parties in hell. Number five, we will be loved forever. Romans 8.38, and I'm convinced that nothing can ever separate us from God's love. Neither death nor life, neither angels nor demons, neither our fears for today or our worries about tomorrow, not even the powers of hell can separate us from God's love. Thank you, Jesus, for your love, for your amazing grace. Thank you, Lord. Number six, we will get whatever is God's. Romans 8, 16, for his spirit joins with our spirit to affirm that we are God's children. And since we are his children, we are his heirs. In fact, together with Christ, we are heirs of God's glory. But if we are to share his glory, we must also share his suffering. And my final point here, we will have life. 1 John 5, and this is what God has testified. He has given us eternal life, and this life is in his Son. Whoever has the life, sorry, whoever has the Son has life. Whoever does not have God's son does not have life. Lord, thank you so much for sending your son and for the life that we have in him. Now, as I come to a close this morning, I want to make sure that you don't miss something very, very important. When we talk about life, we're certainly talking about the eternal side of things, right? The eternal life. But we're not only talking about eternal life. That's part of it, but it's not limited to that. How many of you know that, that living is more than just being alive? Let me say that again. How many of you know that living is more than just being alive? It's more than just breathing in and out. There's a lot more to living and God has given us the assurance and he's given us the confidence that those who call out to Jesus as their personal Lord and Savior will have eternal life, will have everlasting life. But God wants us to live our lives while we're on this earth too. 
He wants us to live our lives. He's not looking, us, looking at us to be the YOLO crowd. He wants us to live our lives. Do I have anyone in here today who, who knows that God has a plan for you? I didn't hear this side. Do I, know, do I have anyone that knows that God has a plan for you? Is there anyone today under the sound of my voice that knows that God has a purpose for you? Do you know that that includes living your life? Thank you, Jesus. Jeremiah 29, 11. For I know the plans I have for you, declares the Lord. Plans to prosper you and not to harm you. Plans to give you what? A hope and a, a future. Jesus, you are amazing. When it's our time to go, God wants us to die in Christ. But before that time, while we're still on this earth, he wants us to live in Christ. When it's time to go, God wants us to die in Christ. But until that time comes on this earth, he wants us to live our life in Christ. The fear of death is a normal fear. And it's real. But the dynamic of that fear should be very, very different for the believer than it would be for the unbeliever. God offers comfort. He offers assurance. His promises are yes and amen for his children. It's simple. It's simple. He who has the Son has the life. He who does not have the Son does not have the life. It's simple. I'm thinking back to even just our worship time and the very first song we sang today, such a powerful song, and I know it's easy for us to sing lyrics, but I really want to think, I want you to meditate and think about these lyrics. And the song says, my fear doesn't stand a chance my fear doesn't stand a chance when I stand in your love. Oh, Lord. I wish there was a couple people in here that really got what that meant. I wish there was just maybe five people who would be willing to praise the Lord right now because they understand that their fears cannot stand a chance. Lord, you are so good. You are so good. So the question is very, very simple. Do you have the Son? If you don't have the Son, I'd like to give you that opportunity today. And that's for anyone here, and that's for anyone listening online. You see, I think it's, it's very easy. It's very easy for us to to step into a church building. It's very easy for us to say things. It's very easy for us to put up our hands and say, that's me. But if there isn't a change in your heart, 
there's not a connection. So I really want to give everyone the opportunity to, to understand that the creator of the universe, the supreme God, came to this earth as a man, as a human being, to walk in our shoes. And he walked the hardest path that anyone has ever had to walk. He got to the point where he felt abandoned by the Father. And he was willing to do it for you and for me. Why? Because it was the only way to offer us eternity, for us to, to be able to spend eternity in heaven with him and with his, with his Father, with God. I don't want that to get lost because it's easy to say, yes, Jesus, I accept you as my Lord and Savior. But understand what that means. It's all about the condition of your heart. It's all about the condition of your mind. And it's a decision. It's the most important decision anyone will ever make in their lives. And it's not hard. It's literally as simple as ABC. And right now, I would be remiss if I didn't give every single person here the opportunity to accept Jesus as their personal Lord and Savior. In just a minute, I'm going to ask you to close your eyes and bow your head, but I need you to understand that this isn't a game. This is not a show. It doesn't matter if someone beside you puts up their hand or doesn't put up their hand, right now, you need to be focused on an audience of one. God is looking at you as an individual and saying, my son, my daughter, come to me. So with that said, I'm going to ask everyone to close their eyes and bow their heads. I'm going to put out the invitation to two people. And this applies to everyone here and everyone listening to me online. If you have never accepted Jesus Christ as your personal Lord and Savior from your heart, and you want to do that today, with an audience of one looking at you, just slip your hand up in the air. Just put your hand up if that's you. Thank you, Jesus. I see your hand. The second question, for those who have accepted Jesus, they've made that, that decision in their life, but they know that they have not been living their life in a way that's honoring to God, in a way that honors the sacrifice that he made for every single one of us 2,000 years ago. And you're deciding today that you want to get back on track and recommit your life. Turn the page, wipe the slate clean, and start new today. If that's you, put up your hand. Thank you, Jesus. Thank you, Jesus. Praise you, Father. You can put your hands down. So in the quietness of your seat, for anyone here, and again, for those online as well, 
If you fall into either of those two categories, say something like this. Lord Jesus, I thank you for your amazing grace. I thank you for coming to this earth, living a sinless life, and dying just for me. Lord, I acknowledge that without you, there would be eternal separation between me and the Father. Lord, I thank you that Sunday came around. I thank you for your resurrection power. And Lord, today, I confess you are my Lord and my Savior. Lord, I ask that you would fill me with your spirit, that you change me from the inside out, that you'd give me the strength, the boldness, the courage to stand for you regardless of what comes my way. In Jesus' name, I pray. Amen. Amen. Now, if, if that is you, if you, made, if you prayed that, whether you're in this building or if you're watching us online, if you prayed that, I'm going to ask you to do something else. I'm going to ask you to tell someone. I'm going to ask you to share that news. It doesn't matter who it is. There may be people that have been praying for you for years whether it's for you to come into a relationship with Christ or for you to get back on track. Tell someone. Tell someone, guess what I did today? I accepted Jesus as my personal Lord and Savior or I recommitted my life to Jesus and I'm going to do my best to live my life in a, in a way that honors and pleases Him. Tell someone. It's that important. Amen. Thank you so very much for listening to this message. We hope you were truly blessed. If you were, please subscribe to our podcast if you haven't already and share it with a friend. Doing so will cause the seeds of God's word and the message of his love to spread like wildfire. So thanks again for partnering with us in this important way. Stay thirsty for Christ, my friends, until the whole world hears. God bless.